0: Flight, flight, Could be Different yeah. ones, right?
1: We're about to go. We're about to go. Hello and welcome to Socialist Night Live on Socialist Think Tank. Um tonight we've got a really special edition. We have um some really really good guests for you tonight. All about the new film by Dan Draper, which is called Manifesto. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna introduce you to each of the panel. And then we're going to get talking about the film. So I'm going to come to you first, Dan, the creator of the film. You've been on the show before, so some people will be aware of you from your other films as well. Now, this film's part of a trilogy as well, isn't it? So it's part of the trilogy. So if you talk about um, which were the other films in the trilogy and how does this play a part in that?
2: Yeah, so we're sort of branding it, the Hope trilogy. Um, so the first one, uh, Nature of the Beast, about Dennis Skinner, uh, which released in 2017. Where, which we followed up with the big meeting about the Romans Gala in 2019. And this is almost, I see this as the third and final instalment in a series of films, uh, manifesto that is in a series of films, you know, uh, made Jordan the sort of Corbin years, if you like. Um, yeah, the manifesto itself, we started filming in early 2019. but well, the idea came in early 2019 and we wrapped the last day of filming, which we done with Michael and Al, was in January this year. So, very nearly three years of uh, filming, um, and it's ready. You know, we're just ready to get out there now. Later this month.
1: Ah, it's quite a long time to be filming that. So you must know each other quite well. Uh, you know the people who were in there.
2: I think I, I, it's the longest we've ever worked on a film, and uh, most footage we've ever shot. Longest ever spent on an edit. It has really sort of. Uh, being, you know, a labour of love to use the cliche, it'd be like it really has. Um, yeah, but it's done now, and um, yeah, ready to sort of uh, become part of that trilogy. Um, yeah, I'm just intrigued to see what people make of it more than anything else now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it, the, the trailer's like, um, quite an exciting one for me, and uh, we I will talk about what that, um, what the sort of. Themes of the film will be and stuff, but um, I'm I'm really excited to see it, and we've also got two of the stars of the film. Is that the right term to use? I use stars of the film. <laughs> so we've got. Um, uh, let's let's introduce you. So Michael, let's start off with you. Can you tell me a bit about yourself?
0: Hi yeah, uh, so um, I, I'm just one of the activists. I'd say
1: activists rather than stars
0: <laughs> in the context um, that feature in manifesto that, that 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 Dan or quite organ organic. Followed throughout our activism throughout the, the the Corbyn years from 2019 until, as he's just set out, um, to three years later almost. Um, and during that period, I was the youth officer for this for the CLP, and was involved in lots of the the campaigns that we were running around that time. And it was all very organic the way it was all all ran. It would often be you'd turn up to a demonstration or a canvassing session and. And Dan would come over with his camera and mic you up, and then he'd follow you around for, <laughs> for that session or that demonstration or that canvassing session. And it was really authentic, really organic of what we were actually doing on the ground.
1: Did, did it feel when he was micing you up? Did that feel like an unusual thing? Did it did it make you feel more self conscious, or did you just get used to it over time?
0: Um, it had a mixture of impact, really, because when it was obviously something that you're not entirely used to when you when you're doing it at first. And every time he would mic me up or every time he'd put a mic on or start filming, it would always feel a little bit anxious. However, after a few minutes and you started just getting into your strides, I would you'd often forget that he was you were mic'd up or you were getting filmed or whatnot and it would just be it would just be what what we were naturally doing and what what we'd always be doing in that scenario really. So it was every time i would be mic'd up because it was over a long stretch because obviously COVID happened in the period of filming as well, so it made things slightly different. Um, but within the first few minutes of each being mic'd up, it was a bit anxious. But other than that, it got quite 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 normal throughout the process because it was over quite a long substantial period.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. Well, um, so yeah, I guess um, a few people have experienced that. I've just had a comment in from um from Laura saying during her filming process she kept on wanting to shout shut up Laura when she watched the big meeting throughout that so that's uh, Laura from Socialist Think Tank there thinking um, she was one of the people who they focused on in the big meeting in Dan's last film and uh, hating herself for doing that but actually I think she was pretty good to be honest you know I am a bit biased on that one. Um, next I'm going to introduce Alan. So Alan.
3: Yeah, I was uh, CLP secretary in Walton's safest seat in the United Kingdom um, for most of that time. And you kind of, I don't think, I think it became natural, you know, to, to be mic'd up. You forget about it. You're more focused on the campaigning. Um, I know it sounds mad, but one of the things that was going through my head in 2019, we'd got 85.7% of the vote and we wanted to make sure it didn't slip back. And you had this obsession with this percentage that you've got to stay the safest seat in Britain. We had a competition with Knowsley North and we won it, of course, being Walton. And it was just, um, it was always this thing about, you know, we are the Labour heartland and we're going to maintain that position because we believe what we're doing. And and the other thing which we're going to talk about is we were trying to make it a member led movement rather than conventional CLP and trying to extend things. And for a period we did, for a period we did, and it kind of, it affects me deeply now seeing the Labour Party slipping back into, if you want, a neo-Blairite tract.
1: Hmm. Okay, so that brings me on to the theme of this. Now, I've seen the trailer only, but the trailer for me, it has a theme of people who are dedicated to changing people's lives. Dedicated to trying to make a difference in the community, and it's a, it's about that like kind of old-fashioned, traditional Labour Party value of, of being working class, of fighting for your own class, and you know that really for me comes across in simply the trailer, and I don't know if that's because I've watched Liverpool Walton CLP on Twitter, I've seen the things you put out, I sort of know what you stand for in general, so I don't know how much I'm projecting p- from a personal point of view on that. But is that what the is that what the film's about really? Is it about like trying to change lives, not just win elections? I'll go with Dan yeah, with that so. one.
2: Yeah, no, I think so. So I've been thinking about this quite a lot lately, and sort of uh, because I think a lot of people just see and they think, oh, it's a project. You know, a lot of the footage is from 2019. It's a project from the past. And it's about labour and a lost election. Um, and it could be quite depressing, really, for many people and many activists who put all those hours and miles in. But I don't think it is. I think what comes out to the film is the fact that it's it's politics from the coalface. It's it's working-class activists in their communities, um, you know, fighting tooth and nail. And that's what really drew us to the project in the in the first place, you know, quite naively. the I, I remember when I pitched it, to um, Alan, the CLP, the idea was we'd start shooting and we we sort of knew an election would come in 2019 and the sort of film would climax with, you know, the election victory and it would almost be the film would serve as a sort of, you know, a a metaphor, a microcosm for Corbyn's Labour Party, you know, the safest Labour seat in Walton, a community that's sort of been decimated by Tory cuts. That was the plan, it, that didn't happen, unfortunately, so we had to sort of rejig a few things. Um, but then I think the theme that came through and what we carried on filming over the last, the, the following two years, was the fact that it is just sort of grassroots sort of activism and, I, and I, it only became clear to me as the filmmaker that actually that's what it was about without really thinking about it initially, if that makes sense. I grabbed the plans and when they didn't happen, it was just like, well, what is this film about? And that was the theme. That came through you know you see when we start filming in 2019 the stuff that alan and michael are talking about is exactly the same as what they're talking about in the final scene of the film you know a year or so after the uh election and it doesn't it's, it's about the community and uh, there's both sort of um you know i think al says at the end of the film that's sort of where you roll your sleeves up and you know you get your hands dirty and that's where politics starts if you like i think that's what that's what the film is about so i'm glad that came across in the trailer
1: so like, it's so it's about like you know just general grassroots politics. It's about general grassroots activism. Is that like you know is, is that what you both felt as people who were in there? Like I, I'm interested in what those conversations are as well. So, um Alan, like what what was the line that you said at the end? Or do you know? Have you seen the film yet? <laughs> I do, but I
3: can't remember it all. I mean, I don't. I mean. When I was 14, I wrote "Long Live the Proletariat" on the blackboard at school, and I had my spelling corrected by the RE teacher. I've always been a socialist. I can't remember being a child and not knowing what socialism was. Me, Gran was a good socialist, and uh, when she was dying of cancer, said, "Never let the NHS go," and now it's teetering because of the health bill. And I mean, we. I I only reluctantly joined the Corbyn Project at first because, I mean, I'd been a socialist outside the Labour Party for most of my life. And um, I remember at first my son joined, then my daughters joined, then my wife joined, inspired by Corbyn in 2015. And then one night we had a sit-down and uh, uh, anybody who knows Ken Loach's films, I just said to them all, all right, I said, is this it? Is this the big flame? We're going to go for it. We're going to change the world. And they said, this is it. This is the big flame. So I said, all right, I'm in. And within two years, three years, I mean, I was CLP secretary from <laughs> something I'd reluctantly done. And I think what mattered, like we had um, 50 uh, jackets, your know, fluorescent jackets with Liverpool community on. We were doing sessions all across the community. We were involved in food banks. There's a, a lot takes place in the back of a car in the film when we're delivering food around for Zacherly. Um There was 300 food parcels going out every Friday, 25 volunteers doing three trips and everything. And we were really proud of that. You know, um, you know we had this demonstration to, to remember Robert Tressel who's buried in the churchyard in Liverpool, Ragged a philanthropist author. And we, I was aiming to get like 80 to 100 people to go and observe his grave, we got 600. That's what the Corbynite kind of, you know, upsurge was about. And we all said at the beginning, if all you do is see it as a car, your CLP, and you put a different driver in, we will have failed because it won't be a different kind of movement. If we can force it outwards and actually be driven by working class people, that is the achievement. That's what we're to see. And at one time, we could get 120 people at CLP meetings. You know, you didn't need to work for it. And they were buzzing. And OK, there was a bit of the old bureaucratic crap, but most of the time they were fairly they were lively, joyful events and everybody was a comrade and everybody was a friend. That's what it felt like. There were a few snakes in the background that wanted to go back to 12 people in a room deciding everything. But I mean it was explosive uh, and you know uh, we did. It, it, there were days of hope. There really were days of hope. I'll just
0: say as well in, in relation to the trailer and the emotion of the trailer is the thing and that's going to really resonate with a lot of people who are in the film and, and bring the real emotion to it is that one of our comrades who sadly hasn't seen the seen uh, who died before the premiere of the film tim Jeeves, who was a counselor in club more he's one of the, the best most compassionate lovely people you'll ever likely to meet was a was a, a real rock with then walton clp during this period and it's the, the, the he's the first person to speak in the trailer and i know everyone who i know who knew tim that brought a tear to all of our eyes, seeing the, the, the activism that he was involved in and seeing him and hearing him speak again after he sadly passed away. Um, so I just wanted to make that that comment in relation to to Tim, who was a massive campaigner for, for under Corbyn, for socialist values and for the NHS as well. Um, it was one of his things that he pushed through the, the council when he was elected the council. There was a, um, a motion um, against the, the NHS white paper that's unfortunately being passed through parliament. Um, but I wanted to make that uh, that link back to Tim as well because that'll be a big moment of ref- reflection from from a lot of people in, in Liverpool who knew who knew Tim, um, which would be really emotional. Um, but uh, everything else that has been said from from Alan in terms of the, the community engagement is, is is key to what the project was really and in, in what we were doing and what we, we hope to continue doing in, in Liverpool Walton and. It was organic, as I said earlier, it was none of it was forced, none of it was like Dan saying, Oh, let's do this today. Dan would turn up to the things that we were doing already, whether Dan was there or not. It was what the activism was on the ground. It's what Alan was doing as CLP secretary, and we were all doing it as as members of the Labour Party in Walton, trying to get, get involved with the hope and the project to try and get Corbyn elected in that twenty nineteen general election, um, which we all know the situ- situation around but it definitely was community-led and it definitely was um all based around our hope and ambition for what we could achieve through the labour party
3: we should say i mean canvassing sessions we used every saturday we'd have about 25 people out and we'd have the gazebo and we'd have sandwiches and it was a real social event we didn't do collect the data uh you know uh, like the back to in the labour party and then try and get out the vote we just swept the streets every house. I remember the first time we went out and they tried to get me to run aboard and I said, What the hell's that? You know, I didn't know what it was. And I said, Oh, sod you, I'm gonna knock on every door. And the first three doors were all Labour voters, inspired by Corbyn, and we were told that they weren't. And we said, Right, we're doing every door. And that's what we did, all our canvassing, every door. And you know, getting people to register to vote, not accepting the politics is disillusioning and something for the minority, seeing it as something radical and energising. And I mean, it, it, that project was never completed. It was a beginning of what politics should be, but at least we were having a go to try and, to crack the cynicism that had been created in politics, particularly by Blair, you know? And uh, I just felt for a time, a new political culture was emerging. And it was inspiring to be a part of. And it doesn't, I'm not saying this uh, elegiacally as something in the past. You know, I mean, the time will come again. You know, the things are never static. They never stay the same.
1: Yeah, so like, for me, this is all, this is about people rather than machinery. So what you've just described there is there's like, there's this big machine in politics and there were some of the things, there's a couple of things that I wanted to go back to there. Um, you talked about like doing things in the community and improving people's lives through things like food banks and food drives and all, all that kind of thing. Now, we've seen a lot of politicians use that cynically so they'll turn up and they'll turn up smiling at a food bank and take a photo and then go off. They won't help. They won't do anything, and then they'll vote for those things to happen. So you know, how do like, I, how did you go about trying to make sure that people knew that you weren't there for cynical reasons? You were there to actually make a difference. You were doing the work. You were trying to change it. And if you got into power, this these things wouldn't be necessary. You sort of like you know make make a situation where you will not have to see this happen anymore because if we were in charge, if we were voting this through, these places wouldn't exist.
3: If I going to just come back on that? Two examples of that and where it came from. It didn't come from above. It came from below. Ian Byrne was a working class activist. He'd been involved in a long strike and he's what a Labour MP should be. And him and two mates, um, they uh, got a, a, a wheelie bit outside of Anfield and started to collect donations, two Evertonians and Ian as a Red. And uh, honest to God, you know, it, it was brilliant what they did. And now they've got a, you know, a network of vans and, uh, and they say we shouldn't have, they should actually put themselves out of business. We shouldn't have food banks. We should have legislation that makes it a crime for anybody to be hungry. That's the reality. Another example you'll see in the film is a brilliant activist called Jean Martin, who was manager of Fazakli Federation, a community group. And she was organising this amazing operation with 350 food parcels going out every Friday. And that's that's working class activism to me. It's it's people knowing people. And there isn't this deep rootedness uh, in the way Labour worked before and after. One of the reasons for the shriveling of the Red Wall is very often they'll go out and canvas, and they've got the brand name. Labour's got the brand name, you know, 100 years. of And the the folk memory of uh, Bevan's um, housing and NHS policy in the 1940s and some of the municipal socialism. But actually, much of the modern Labour Party goes and visits working-class housing estates. It's not rooted within them. And uh, that, that, is, that is what we were trying to work against, that we were rooted and you did know people. I mean, I'm a councillor in my own ward, so my casework is when I go out the door and people walk up and talk to us, and that's true quite a lot, whether they're still in the Labour Party or they're out, for historic reasons you'll all know about. And that to me is what it should be. Virtually every Labour councillor, if possible, should be in their own ward and should be absolutely answerable to their own community.
0: Just on the point where Alan saying about the um, Ian, Dave, Dave, and Robbie um, with the fan support and food banks, the they went out campaigning during the 2019 general election and we're using the the slogan, hashtag shut us down about food banks, about that, that the the answers were there in national policy, what we were pushing through Corbyn's project to make food banks redundant in society because the answers we had the project that we were pushing for had the answers to make them not needed for people and obviously do um, so, so that I think that those kind of authentic kind of messages as well and there's the actions that were really heartfelt and were driven for change that's, that stemmed from within the community really and um, showed that it was what people really cared about it wasn't those kinds of fake opportunity that you, you mentioned earlier it was real genuine heartfelt actions of solidarity from within the community to try and help and 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 give support to people who really needed it Hmm.
3: good example mike Mike was probably uh doesn't want to uh, speak this out too much but i mean we had a youth event uh in a hotel in anfield and it was 130 people and it was talking about ecology talking about the possibility of a green new deal and there was music Laughter and there was dancing, some bloody awful dancing, to be honest. I mean, I danced like Spotty Dog. You know? <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, we had a ball then, and it was like it was culture mixing with politics. We did try to do politics in a different way. And then you had a couple of the MPs speaking, and um, we always warmed to the ones like Laura Smith, who actually came out of real experiences. She was a primary teacher, got elected in Crew. And she wasn't defeated in crew because of Laura Smith's abilities. She was defeated in crew because of the second referendum disaster. I mean, I spoke against it at the Brighton Conference. But, I mean, those, those things that we were organising, and particularly th- there was politics in the park. Again, Ian Byrne, who was powerhouse at the time, and Dan Carden, socialist and people, Walton. We had uh, three or four hundred people in the Isle of Gladstone, this uh, kind of palm house in Stanley Park between the two football grounds, and we had like Len McCluskey speaking and Richard Bergen and Shami Chakrabarti and others, and music, and it was absolutely bloody inspirational. It finished with the farm, all together now, and there is no better modern rock working class anthem. And, you know, they're, they're, they're a socialist band, basically, rooted in Liverpool, rooted in um, the 90s, the, the struggle for justice for the 97 and everything. And it really all came together. You know, they, that, it, it, they were the possibilities. And that was what was so exciting to be part of it. And bliss it was to be alive, you know, go a bit Wordsworth. It really was fantastic.
2: That was also our, the first um, thing we filmed for the film as well. It's not in the film, but that was the was our first shooting day, what else I described. i don't be serious, but when Dan was saying
3: to him, we're going to make this film, I mean, I was all there, oh, Jack and Ori, these things, you know, people buzz around for a bit, it'll never happen, and it did. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons you get you got used to it, was, um, like, uh, the, t- the two filmmakers were just kind of... Uh, ever presence around you a couple more socialists and you did forget about it you know but also because um, it wasn't a cynical project it's something it felt part of the movement you did forget about it because it was the movement that mattered
1: so speaking of like um, the way the film was made and stuff I know like from the previous two in the trilogy which was um, the nature of the beast with Dennis Skinner and the big meeting um, what I thought you did really well, Dan is you got a kind of the spirit of the present whilst also respecting the past. So there was a lot of like delving back into the past for Dennis Skinner and and and, and then saying how that approached the modern day and then you got into the, the real humanity of the of, of Dennis Skinner as a as a human being, which was kind of quite a bit different from his public persona, I guess. And then for the big meeting, there were there were. There's a real human element there. There were people who were followed around, and then you looked into the past of the big meeting, and then what was going on at the time. Is that is there a similar thing here? Is there any delve into the past, or is it definitely more of a, a feeling of just being in the present for this one?
2: Ooh, that that's a good point. Um, so the plan with this one was to just totally present. It would be a chronological film. We would you know the first scene you see would be in august 2019 and the last one would be you know the last time we filmed um and that's how it is really it's a lot more stripped back than the other two films there's um not much music no archive moving forward um but there was a point where i thought it did need something injecting into it rather than you know just to sort of change the tempo of the film because it, you know we purposely uh as al and Michael saying you know we become, we become part of the group in many ways actually, so the whole you know, visual sort of approach was the camera would always be handheld. Uh, and it would, the camera work, almost, we didn't want it to be perfect at times. We'd almost go into, you know, you can see when the camera sort of um, changes exposure a little bit or refocuses. And that's because we wanted the camera almost to be like a breathing thing, you know, and you could see the movements of the camera as it was with the CLP. So we've got that. But then when we got it in the edit, I thought it needs to be sort of at times sort of like calmed down a little bit. It needs to be pockets for the film to breathe. So then, when we go back out into the sort of into like uh, the marches, they would have a, um, a greater impact. So within these, within uh, there's about six or seven chapters were injected into the film throughout that touch upon history. Uh, I would say more in a sort of a, in a poetic way, and it's more the history of sort of class struggle as opposed to the history of the Labour Party or or Walton, if you like. Um, and that the theme for that was again, as Alan talked about before. Um, Robert Tressel, and we decided to sort of basically make Robert Trestle um, a member of the cast with this film, uh, which I just thought made a lot of sense, especially because the idea for the film came after the march that Al organised for Tressel. I remember going along to that and thinking, like, bloody hell there's something going on here. This needs to be captured. Uh, so the, the Trestle link was there, um, and then, yeah, we sort of we wrap her up through sort of, you know, the end scene of the film it takes... Um, Place at Robert Chessel's grave, uh, so that's the only bit of history. Uh, so history is there, but nowhere near as you would get in a sort of traditional documentary of uh, some nice pathé footage, or you have got a historian talking about something. It's, uh, we tried to sort of just touch upon it and sort of weave it in, very sort of subtly.
3: Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the history because, and we we got a brass band from just on the edge of Merseyside because it isn't that isn't really part of Liverpool's. Tradition, you know, there there have been bands. I mean, orange bands in the case of the 1911 transport general strike was probably more likely than the traditional brass band of the north of England. And I'm from that kind of tradition because you can tell by my accent I was born in Warrington, brought up in Crewe. And um, when we tried to delve this bit of history about Robert Tressel, there wasn't a Labour council till 1955. Walton wasn't. Uh, socialist, till 1964 under Eric Heffer. So compared to like where I grew up, labourism is a lot more recent in a lot of ways. Syndicalism, uh, the upsurge of uh, unskilled trade unions, is as important. The sectarian dimension in Walton has always been there. So um, it's like we, we were trying to uh, generate uh, a labour moon perspective at uh, the speed of light almost, if you understand what I mean, because it was much more recently endowed in this area of Liverpool, you know. And I that's why I've always found Liverpool utterly fascinating. There's kind of... Um, it's the worst of places and the best of places. I mean, I love the place now, you know, more than anywhere I've ever lived. But the dark side of it, that sectarianism, the racial exclusion of... Uh, of black people in liverpool the the foul treatment of chinese seafarers it's um it is really a, quite an explosive place with a lot of contradictions you know and um it's very recent that labor has had the that labor's dominated the whole city and the one thing i'd give a warning on scotland could happen in liverpool and stan would mm. be the agent
0: I don't know if there was any footage ever shot of it, or it's in the film, because I've only I've not seen the full film yet. I've only seen the trailer. Um, but referring to the history, and it's, the history is always something that um, we did as a CLP, something that we did and reflected on. And that was started when we started doing the Eric Heffer Memorial Lectures, because um, Alan Alan stated that um, Eric Heffer was the first Labour MP for Liverpool Walton in in '64 and he kind of started this, this socialist tradition um, and so we, year on year and um, we, we over three years I think we've had I think we'll be doing a fourth one at some point um, we reflected and we got a, a key speaker who would speak on um, the current situation but linking it back to kind of the, the ethos and the history of Liverpool, Walton and Eric Efference, the socialist uh, tradition within Labour itself and, and how that came to be um, so we always did try and link it back through our activism as well to, to to the history that we that we'd experienced and that had happened within our communities before my lifetime, but it's important that it plays an important role in terms of what we were
1: doing in the present and what we will do in the future. Hmm. So was it like um, f- for you? Was it more of a, a Labour Party thing, or was it more of a socialist thing? Like, what what's the feel of the film? Do you think this is like under? a Labour Party banner or is this something else is that like the everything that you're talking about seems to be about like communities and and people and bringing people together and things like that is that like something that you saw the Labour Party as at that time or did you see it as socialist or is it like kind of a bit of both is that what the Labour Party should be this is a really open question so feel free to chime in and and come into this from any angle at all
3: And for me, it's about socialism. It's about socialism from below. The emancipation of the working class is the act of the working class itself. And that was always my perspective. That's why it took, I didn't join in 2015. I finally joined in 2016, which was relatively late, if you want, for people convinced of the Corbyn Project. And that's because I had a huge scepticism about the Labour Party as a vehicle. Uh, because I knew its history inside out. Do you know what I mean? And um, we were trying to do something that had never been done to actually turn Labour definitively into a socialist organisation, a mass socialist organisation. I mean, now uh, it you have to pinch yourself to say that it had well over half a million people at its height and there was a great deal of um, member engagement, but we shouldn't exaggerate it. I mean, I think. Um, Our CLP was relatively a minority, lots of CLPs, the meetings didn't change that much. Uh, Lots of the right wing leaderships in CLPs excluded the new left wingers. And I think one of the biggest problems, which you don't really see in the film, but is that um, some CLPs where the left could have taken a majority compromised with the right. And that was the Achilles heel that laid the basis for the for the downfall. And you see it in the film. Like it starts with me sitting with Dan Carden, the MP, and we did this radio car thing, and, and I was pouring down. And we were driving around and we, we were aware that the you know the poles weren't good, the picture from lots of places uh was poor. And but as we drove down Breck Road, you'll see it. There's people coming out of barber shops and giving a clenched fist salute. I don't want to big it up too much, but people were dancing. Dan will have seen it in the, the, the back of the car. And school kids were, were rushing out and shouting, you know, uh, support and everything. And I, I, we were stood outside um, um, the Brett Road, Asda, at one point, and, like, the only three people were not Labour who went past for the whole evening. And honest to God, you know, I mean, we we looked at each other and, and said, hey, do you think we're actually going to pull it off? Are, are, are they as uh, different to the polls as they were back in 2017? Are we really going to do this? And it was a, you'll see our faces when we're at the count. And it was just devastating because, I mean, the last time we'd been in the count was when Tim Jeeves got 86.6% in Club More. And that is virtually unheard of in British politics, 86.6%. Do you know what I mean? And then, I mean, I was standing next to this Tory, something I've not done very often in my life, and he tried to talk to me as we watched, you know, the Red Wall collapsing, even though the Red Wall's a myth, and we're watching on the television, and he, he starts to talk to me, and I said, excuse me, I'm not having any Tory intruding on my grief. Go away. And... That was what it felt like, you know, it was just um oh god, you felt the, the dream shriveling like a bloody Christmas balloon five days after the holiday. Do you know what I mean? I mean I was I'll never forget that. Never forget the feeling when we were in the tennis centre watching the votes coming. Bloody
0: awful. Absolutely, I remember it very vividly. I um and I think Dan was filming the morning when we were outside Rice Lane Station. Hmm. Yeah. And we were outside Iceland Station. It was freezing cold, as you can imagine. But everyone, the mood was electric. There was a feeling then that we really had a shot. Every person that came past, every bus came past. There was people waving through the windows. The buses were honking the horns. They were. It was just absolutely electric. The staff at the, the McDonald's that we were near came out and was giving us free free hot drinks, um, for, in that morning. It was just really electric and then i went on and i think many others went on to to crew that day and we um and we were canvassing in torrential rain and the the, the feeling there was entirely different the feeling we were walking on to, to working class hours in the states with tory posters in the windows um, and there was some really quite emotional moments for, for a lot of us when we seen people Living in in, in in poverty and living in, in, in real poor conditions, that had been able to to vote conservative in in, in that election um, against the project that would have provided the answer, answers to the to the the troubles they were facing, and that that caused that caused a lot of pain for a lot of the activists who were there because, as 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 Alan said, when we were at the camp that evening, that was the night actually that Tim was elect, uh, elected in a by-election on the same night as the 2019 general election. Walton was retained as the safest seat in the country with 84.7%. Tim Jeeves had won a council election with 86.6%. And then we looked elsewhere and we were losing titans of the movement. We were we were losing people as MPs like Dennis Skinner, like Laura Pickcock, like Laura Smith, that we'd lost in that time. And it was it it was it was really heartbreaking because we'd had such a roller coaster throughout that day and throughout that campaign and throughout our involvement. In, in the Labour Party for, to try and achieve that project, and it was such it, it was just such a, a diverse range of, of of emotions during that day because we we were, we were cheering successes for our for our local comrades that we knew and respected, and we campaigned tirelessly for, and then we were we were losing people around the MPs around the country who we many of us had campaigned for some of them, and we had a lot of respect for, and we knew their importance in in our movement, which it was it was the the movement that we had created. So it was a, a real, a real roller coaster of, of emotion throughout that throughout that period. I think, I think this
2: like that's one of the most important scenes in the film. Uh, it's and it's 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 almost right in the middle of the film the count um, because it is almost like just putting the brakes on all of a sudden on everything that the film does for fifty five minutes and then we get to the count, uh, which was absolutely depressing. Uh, I remember. Uh, and I remember when we were there, Alan, the cameraman, was like, "You know, should we should we get a few interviews? Because usually we we would go around, we we would shoot some stuff, but as the guys when we mic them up and we'd just do a quick interview." Um, but I was looking around, I was thinking, like, "I don't think we need to. We don't need any words right now because it was literally people's faces could tell the story. You could, you know, you could see it. There's a little moment of joy in there, which almost sums everything up when Tim sort of wins um, in Club ball. Uh and I think for me personally, one of me. The most powerful shot in the whole film is in the, that, that section. It's just after um, Ian wins uh, and he's he, he comes off stage and the, the CLP is sort of hugging him and kissing him. But it's so quiet and strange. It's just it's, it's quiet congratulations, well done. And then there's, there's a shot of um, Ian as he h- hugs um, Susan from the film and she's crying and she just says, like, well done. And she looks into the camera very briefly and it's just there, and like the hour mark in the films, like that's like the agony and the ecstasy of sort of the whole film in one shot for me. Uh, and then to go back to the early point after that, that's about you know, the film's 90 minutes, that takes us up to 60 minutes, or two thirds of the film are focused up to our election. Um, but then it was about two weeks after we're back out in the marches. There's a rebirth, you know what I mean? Uh, I can't remember what the march was, but the same people are there again. On the streets, it's freezing cold, but the march goes on, if you like. And it's just like, and I think that's what sums it up for me. It's about, it is about socialists, the film, and it's about socialism. I always think it's about about labor over labor with a capital L, if that makes sense. It's about that sort of, um, you know, the work put in um, to change, you know, change the world from the bottom up. Mm. Yeah, I'm
3: wrong with the sad thing. It's not in the film, but it's like the. A political defeat like happened with Corbyn can feed into defeats in the Labour movement, and uh, we were all on the recent demonstrations for the P&O seafarers, and I mean, people being shackled at their place of work, and this is in Liverpool, and you know we were not able to stop that. I mean, it's intensely worrying, you know, that this can be happening in the Labour Labour movement now, and. I don't see any advance, electoral advance, without an accompanying advance in uh, in people's conditions of life. In you know the the trade unions getting really rooted. Um, I find the most exciting trade unions at the, at the moment, as a Unite member, maybe I shouldn't say this, but is in some of the newer unions, you know, trying to organise Deliveroo and uh, everything. And I. I think trade unionism should be like Joe Hill when he went into the kitchens as a restaurant worker and organised the kitchen staff and got them out on strike. There's a whole layer of people who, you know, Michael will talk about, young people who barely know what a trade union is or what it's for. And trade unions cannot be people who book your holiday and your car insurance. You know, they've got to be people who improve your conditions of life. And those demonstrations in the film are about... um, A Green New Deal and the rest of it. I mean, when I, I I mean, I can remember in the 1970s, you know, uh, going on demonstrations and everybody was singing Joni Mitchell, big yellow uh, taxi and everything, you know, about ecology. That message had been about a long time. And now the bloody planet's burning and loads of people don't have any urgency about it. And there you've got Starmer making pledges. And then walking away and driving the. Oh God, the, the the Labour Party trying to be more monarchist and responsible than the Tory Party. And I'm actually want. It makes me want to projectile vomit, red bloody spume. You know, to see 2017 turning into that. Do you know what I mean? Jesus wept. Sorry. I'll, I'll
0: comment. I'll I'll come in on the points about because Alan's right in, in respect to like there'll be mornings where we were getting up when the, the RMT were on strike, um over to keeping the guard on the train and they would often be very cold dark winter mornings that we would go up for those demonstrations and a lot of the people I knew I was at university and a lot of people going what what are you doing like why are you getting up to what what and I'd go like talk about the issues and and and, and right people go what's a tr- trade union what's the RMT what's a picket line. And that kind of was important in, in in a way because when you're involved in things, you don't realise sometimes that of the people outside of the bubble that you're operating in don't always know and understand through the lack of political education that's in our system. So that's why we did other events. That's why Alan mentioned earlier, we did an, a, the climate event that I, I organised alongside um, Ian Byrne again and, and Tim Jeeves was involved and Sarah Henney, there was a, a number of us involved in that event. Uh, that event. Um. We called it 11 years and counting. Climate is a class issue, um, so it was linking together the the because that was what we, I wanted as the youth officer to get more young people involved, which we successfully did. But we also wanted it to work to, to link to the working class struggle. So we were bringing together the climate crisis and the answers that we had and solutions that we had as a movement for that. And and linking it in as well with working people and and how they could be involved in that as well because at this event, as as Alan mentioned earlier, we had p- politicians speaking, we had trade unions speaking, we had trade union stalls. We were signing people up for trade union to to the trade unions and telling them what they could do and what they were involved in and and how they could help. And I think that was a real key part of what we were doing is we were spreading that we were spreading that message and we were that hope and we were trying to educate. And and in, in in a very inclusive kind of getting people involved kind of way as well and about these things because that's what I wanted to do and that's what we did because we didn't that that um that event we didn't make exclusively only for um Labour Party members we it was uh, under the banner of the of Liverpool Left and we'd done a Young Liverpool Left event so people could have came who were infused by the movement but hadn't joined the Labour Party. Or, or anything, so we could we could reach a, a wider range of people. So we could involve the community in these projects and the 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 things that we were doing. And I thought that was really really key to, to to everything that we were doing at that time. And that's just one example of an event. I'm sure there's a dozen more that between me and Alan we could come up with about where we did work like with, with things like that, and um, to bring people into our movement and grow it because we wanted it to be people powered. We wanted it to be. Um, the most people involved that we could possibly have.
3: And that banner was everywhere. You know, the banner is one of the most emblematic thing in the film, is um, it's got you know Jeremy Corbyn, Ellen Wilkinson, and Iron Bevan and Keir Hardy on it. And there wasn't a strike, uh, anti-fascist demonstration, you know, ecological protest where that banner didn't appear. It was everywhere. You know, we had Walton flags and there the was also substantial contingent. And, you know, for a time, the five CLPs, um, they were all on the RMT picket line. And it was well over a year that that went on for us. And every single CLP in Liverpool brought its banner. Never seen that before. Never seen that before. It was old people in the outside left who kind of... Could be guaranteed to turn up with papers and banners and stuff. You'd have a lot of Labour Party members. Yours would, but uh, it had been a long time before you see it saw things like Argy workers and stuff on the on the banners, even in Liverpool. You know, May Day, you di- you didn't see. And now May Day marches again. It, it's it's going back to the old ways that uh, you're less likely to see Labour banners. You know, since the defeat of Corbyn. Um, and you know that that is extremely sad, but the movement will go on.
0: And you and you you're right as well, Alan. Is that we were, and it was and it was the ever-present thing that I think but, um, built those relationships with those people, those trade unions and the workers and struggle and those mm-hmm. disputes. I remember we were practically on the college dispute every single day, which was a plastics factory up in Kirby. Myself, Alan, many other people in the film. So too many to count. We would we'd be there practically every day from seven in the morning. Alan, Alan would always message me the night before and say, I'll pick you up half past six, top of your roads," And we'd go, every, we'd take our banners, we'd go and we'd speak with the workers um, and we'd just support them and what they were doing. And that was just one example. The RMT was another. Um, I know there was a lot of people who um, went over to when the Camel herds were on strike on a regular basis as well it was we there was the ever presence and it was the communication and with the people the the actual workers in struggle in these disputes and the trade unions that kind of built up everything that we were creating because we knew it was it was about a wider movement we knew it was about protecting the working class we knew that's what our movement was and it was it was important that we were on these picket lines and we were supporting these workers and we were also promoting through the channels that we had the, the solutions to the issues that were causing workers in our communities and our families and everyone else, the, the, the pain and anguish that that, that, that that put them in those situations.
3: It's a real pity, one of them, that the we didn't get in a film, The Colloids Dispute, because there was one amazing moment, and it did show, um, you know, the Achilles heel, one of the Achilles heel of the Corbyn movement, because uh, we were on the picket line, and one of the scabs was an executive member of and Labour Party. And I had a confrontation with him and said, what the hell are you doing crossing a picket line? Labour Party is about respecting picket lines. He said, actually, it isn't. It's about elections, winning elections. And I thought, are you for real? And there are people in the Labour Party who don't give a damn about respecting picket lines. And it's always this uneasy coalition between people who are not that far off Tory ideas. It's just they've got an attachment to a vehicle that is funded by the trade unions, but their heart isn't in it. And those people were always planning the most effective route to bring down Corbyn. Corbyn could not have been brought down by the media alone and the establishment. It took this internal sabotage Alex Nuns has got a, a book coming out this summer called Sabotage, and they're there in Liverpool Labour now. And you couldn't have seen Corbyn brought down by forces outside the Labour Party alone. It took those conservative elements. Now, we more or less marginalised them in Walton CLP. We had 100% Corbyn executive, and you you'll see that in the film, 100%. Everybody in the leadership of Walton CLP was a committed socialist activist. I think more or less still true, even though the numbers are diminished now. But I mean, uh, that Achilles heel was there in those forces waiting to turn the clock back.
1: So do you think that they deliberately want to detach themselves from the movement like you are? Because you've talked about like going to strikes to support on picket lines and things like that. Do you think that's like they're missing out on something fundamental there and they just don't understand the value of it? Or do you think they deliberately want to detach from the idea of that and separate the Labour Party from Labour?
3: Even more Machiavellian than that, someone will turn up on those picket lines, but using it as um, to have themselves seen, and then they'll go back and try to destroy um, people like Corbyn. I mean... the. Starmer was absolutely calculated. The second referendum, which led to the scenes in this film, that was plotted in a... He doesn't give a damn about the European Economic Union. Take a look at what's happened since. He doesn't give a damn. He dropped it like a hot potato. It was planned months and months in advance, um, as is shown by a recent book um, uh, about the situation, planned strategically to get him the leadership of the Labour Party and remove Corbyn absolutely calculated that's what these people are like and if it ever comes out the ford report hopefully will confirm this but i mean i suspect hair will grow on that palm before we see the ford report
1: <laughs> okay right so i'm gonna go back to some specifics of the film there after that's pretty powerful statement that one it? but um <laughs> so i'm gonna go back to um back to the specifics of the film we've been asked in the chat dan how did you choose what to cut because you you must have like more footage for this than you've had for any of the films after after 3 years worth was it painful as well like getting rid of some bits did was it a difficult decision to make what to cut
2: yeah yeah no really um so when we would go along we would film everything you know so every march every meeting uh, so it's hours for each one uh, um but in the film we get information we get and we get words um from our characters if you like uh, naturally um there's the odd question um, you hear every now and then but most of the information that we wanted to get across would be through natural interactions and that was going back to making the camera part of the clp so in terms of editing it, it would be like we'd, we'd almost try and make a mini film of each event if that makes sense you know, like, uh, capture it, what's it about? Can we get the, that information across through a banner, a slogan, and a few um, observational shots? Um, it went, yeah, it weren't it went that difficult to edit, considering we've got that amount of footage. Because uh, even though we did film for an hour and whatnot, there's, you know, most of the time it is just banners, uh, you know, so it's it's looking for the, the banners and speeches, so you're just looking for the strong bits to sort of uh, pick out. But yeah, it was, yeah, no, it was a, a lot easier to edit than
3: uh, the big meet, for example. One of my favourite bits, town uh, was we stood outside the steps of Fazakli exactly Federation community centre and, and a fella with a beard a bit like mine comes wandering past and we just went, Karl Marx, and it just, it's just one of them moments, it's like something out of a Ken Loach film. Karl Marx, you, you couldn't have predicted this fella, you know, with the white hoary beard would just appear. And we're all, yeah, oh. <laughs> it's just, I love those moments, just totally spontaneous and uh, and warm. I, th- I think that's the thing I like best about quite a lot of the shots is the warmth, you know. I mean, wherever we've ended up since, you know, like I'm out the Labour Party now, not by my own choice. Um, but um, these are still my comrades, even though I'll have disagreements, you know, I mean, Michael, Susan and the rest, you know, Tim, breaks me heart that he died so young, because he had um, cancer of the lung as a, as a teenager. Ian, um, Dan, you know, I mean, you just go through everybody, and they just um, they are your brothers and sisters. And hopefully, there will be a point, a time, in the not too distant future, where we will all be in exactly the same. If you're at league unity, you know, because the main enemy is not each other. The main enemy. Is the likes of Johnson and Co. and their agents in the Labour movement—they've always been about uh, the CIA had Encounter and all these things—and they infiltrated the Labour movement, and it's documented. You know, uh, Corbyn wasn't brought down spontaneously; he was brought down by a systematic operation, and there will be agents of the state involved in that. I'm not being paranoid about this; it will have been orchestrated.
1: Um, Stop it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did, another another uh, powerful statement there. Um, so, what next after this as well, Dan? Have you got anything else planned for 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 you and shut out the light films?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, we've started filming another project um, that isn't political, which is an absolute welcome source of uh, relief uh, because it's almost quite cathartic to get this film released, inside the tide of truth. Um, and it gets to the point with these films because we independently distribute them. You think, you know, is there an audience there for them? You know, when we released Nature of the Beast, that was in 2017. So there was massive audiences for that. And we had Skinner, The Big Meeting, you know, that was in sort of September of 2019. The landscape's totally different now. And I, th- I think this film is a hard sell for many people. I think there's too many sorts of wounds there. For a lot of people you know, we don't want to come and see it, maybe, or I think that's what it's about. Um, so it's, it's really sort of quite liberating on, you know, this film. You've, I've just got to let it go now. I've worked it for, for so long. But out there, it's a testament to sort of, um, you know, working class, a working-class community and communities and the people within it fighting for them. But I'm glad to be moving on to something else uh, that isn't political, uh, which is, I suppose is a little bit sad really isn't it and sort of you know sums up maybe um, yeah the current landscape um but yeah that's that's the current state of play
1: is it is um do you think would you describe it more as a hopeful film or as a as a sad film because it seems to have elements of both in
2: yes no definitely it's a hopeful film that's why we call it part of the hope trilogy it's uh so it is sad as they you know and there's a bit in the middle of the film that is the saddest part of the film in the middle of the film um but as i said before there's a rebirth it starts again um because that's the class struggle it's it's and that's why trestle's in the film it's been going on for hundreds of years um and it will continue to go on but the hope is there is the fact that as i say the activists in the film are doing the exact same things at the end of the film at the beginning, at the beginning of the film you know and that is what the film's about it's about a group of activists who are socialists. a care for the community, and can, and so I spent. The, I live in Liverpool, eight now, but I spent the first twenty five years of my life in Norwich Green. So from the constituency, And my Mum still lives there, so I've got great like affection for that area, and it sort of gives me sort of you know it's give me joy, but like I, I just feel I feel reassured knowing that you know there's good people like Al, Mike, and the rest of them uh, fighting for that community that, you know, and communities like it. Uh, so that's, I, I I know, there's hope. It's a hopeful film. People have to watch it and find out and let me know if they think it's hopeful, but I think it's hopeful.
3: Can I just give an example of that? These weird accents. I mean, uh, I got invited along to speak at a rally in Liverpool 8 at a church, um, supporting asylum seekers and Dan comes wandering down the street to his, to his uh, place of uh, residence and there's me ranting away about asylum seekers and you just, in a, in a way, um, Liverpool feels like a very big village. Um, you can't go, you, you fall across each other all the time because there are networks of resistance even in the worst of times and that is the hope that is the hope but i mean seeing the labor party return to the left i mean i was taught and i won't say who but a leading activist in this film and they were saying at best 10 years you know to, to stand any chance now i don't know i don't know i think michael's facing a long haul there Um, But I mean, uh, it's going to be a while before there's any chance of a left resurgence in the Labour Party. I mean, I I think the socialist banner now is being held up by a diminishing section of activists and maybe by half of the socialist campaign group. I mean, there's half the socialist campaign group who I do not think are justifying their title. So, I mean, it's, it's a diminished force.
1: Um, right I'm going to do some logistics now So where can we see this film Because I'm excited to see it And I think there's a premiere in Newcastle Coming up which I'll be, I'll be going to I think So um, where, where will we be able to see this film If we want to watch it uh,
2: So the premiere is in Liverpool uh, The first screening On the 16th of June And then it's doing a sort of mini tour It's also in Glasgow on the same day uh, Newcastle the day after um, we were supposed to be in Nottingham on the Saturday, uh, the 19th or the 18th sorry but that uh, clashes with the cost of living sort of a demo in London so we're going to sort of rearrange Nottingham but we've got Leeds, Richard Bergens in the Q&A there, Brighton and we're going to confirm uh, two screenings for London too uh, plus we're going to do you know offer it up for community screenings like we did with the two other films because um, it's important that you know people can access the film and can engage with the themes of the film. We can have you know talks and discussions about it and what you know what the film represents. Uh, so yeah, uh, it will be. It's getting out there, and we will sort of try and make it as readily readily as available as possible.
1: Excellent. So when? So when's the date of the Liverpool one? The sixteenth
2: um, of June. So um, yeah, about, about eleven days, something like that. That's the first one, and then it, it kicks off from Newcastle the day after. Um, and then we'll be, we'll be adding more, by the way. But they're just you know we've got like six or seven confirmed. Uh, but yeah, that's when it starts, the
1: sixteenth of June. Excellent. And is there a place where people can go to see if there's one in their local area? Is there a website or anything that people can go to to check? Yes, uh,
2: there is. It's uh, if you go on, shut out the lights. Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, is, is there a link tree? Uh, I'm not too sure what one is, I've just been told <laughs> one of these and that lists the screenings. Um and as I just see a question there. Will it um will there be any online screenings? Uh yeah, eventually it will sort of go on some platform as well online in a couple of months. And DVD for any uh any older people in like DVDs like <laughs> myself, <laughs> I Don't no my look DVDs. at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, yeah so now it'll be out there and yeah any any community groups organizations right if they want to screen it then get in touch because that's what i've loved about the other films just where they've played and the audience as you get there and our our film our film can do something more than just be a film it can be a community event a fundraiser for charity so uh, Mm. hopefully we have a little bit of that along the way as well
1: yeah so we've got mark mark [SS1] lungley said no west midlands did. Oh, sorry, sorry, Alan. I was just saying. Mark Woodley said, "North West Midlands, dear."
3: And we're gonna have a piano player to, to do all the bits in the middle. You know, the exciting bits where you you tie Dan Draper to the railway line with an oncoming locomotive. You know.
1: <laughs> um, so as I was saying Mark Mark Lungley said there's no West Midlands date and with a little teary face well maybe maybe uh, you could set one up Mark maybe you could have a look for doing a West Midlands one and ask for a community screen in there and then you will have a mes- West Midlands date is that the message to get out there Dan Oh
2: without a shadow without if you know if you sort of want to screen in this film you can we'll do everything to help you you know um and that's uh, again that's where it becomes sort of that's what you want this is where almost like the the film sort of starts to sort of uh, influence viewers and audiences how so you can sort of sort of like grassroots so that's where like you know, talk about the film's about grassroots politics but we can have grassroots sort of uh, cinemas and events you know and um, i was really taken aback especially up in the northeast and many people who sort of screen the big meeting and across the country with uh, the dennis Skinner film that i've seen actually there's you know there's another way to screen films Away from cinemas and a much more sort of open and sort of uh, you no know, democratic way of uh, watching films. And that's it. You want one in the West Midlands, get in touch. You want one anywhere, get in touch. And complain in the library, in a pub. Uh, we actually had a screen, of the skin, um, skin, skin film in a van at one point. So, yeah, anywhere you want to screen it, you can.
1: Absolutely brilliant. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come around each of you and have some closing words about the film and about anything that you want to bring up, and then uh, and then we're going to say good night. So um, Michael, I'll come to you first. Anything you'd like to say to close up?
0: Um, so I, I'm just really glad that it's finally come to fruition and it's finally coming out because it's been it has been three years since we since we started with the seed of an idea of what was going to come and happen, and all the work that. Um, Dan pouring along with Alan Neely, the cameraman as well. Who, who followed us around and became part of our, became part of Walton CLP for those three years. It's it's really exciting to to kind of see it come come all together, and as a as a memory of of what those years like were in the Labour Party and in our communities with Corbyn as the leader of the the Labour Labour Party. So it's really exciting time. Really looking forward to seeing the premiere um, on the sixteenth, uh, and I hope loads of people come as well. And just thanks to to Dan, Alan, and everyone else who were involved in the creation of the film to have this kind of legacy um, kind of archive for us as activists to look back on and see what the things we were involved in that we probably otherwise wouldn't have in the same way um, that we can look back on and see the things that we were involved with during that period of time.
1: Brilliant. Thanks very much. Alan.
3: Yeah, the impulse for me is the struggle for socialism. So um, we voted, an, a group of us, against um, the budget, the annual budget on local city council. So now we've got a group called Liverpool Community Independence. Um, we're standing a candidate in Fazakli, which is about as cheeky as you can get. I mean, Fazakli is 68% Labour majority. And we're trying to elect a, uh, an independent socialist. Uh, that's my coder. But, I mean, uh, I believe my values have not changed. My values are the values enshrined in that film. The values that I uh, felt when I was 14 and wrote Long Live the Working Class, Long Live the Proletariat on the Blackboard, they'll always be, um, you know, my values. The vehicle by which you express them might change, sometimes by choice, sometimes by necessity. But the emancipation of the working class by its own action is to me what's embedded in
1: that film. Brilliant, thanks, Alan and Dan, to finish us off.
2: Um, you know, I suppose with a document, any documentary, it's it's at least fifty percent reality, really. Um, and we were incredibly lucky that our reality was these activists in the film, and um, so I can only really thank them for sort of letting us pester them for three years um, whenever they went and yeah if the film if the film's any good at all it's only because of the subjects in it you know we literally just pointed that camera at them if the film's got any emotion if it's got any energy if it's got any life uh, or hope it's down to the people in the film it's really not down to us as the filmmakers so i i i want to thank all the activists in the film who sort of Allowed us to go along with the ride, if you like, uh, and capture this. Um, and, you know, it is, it's a chronicle of Endeavour, but also, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of hope, but it's down to these guys. and I want to thank them for that.
1: Brilliant. And it's all about hope, isn't it? So, um, well, I hope, uh, uh, from my point of view, I hope that the film Screenings go well, and I've got a little idea now. What about doing the film trilogy? Like you know, at some point, someone's going to do that, isn't it? They're going to put the whole trilogy on as one and culminate with this one at the at the end. That would be a that would be a good day. Maybe for the winter, that one though. Maybe you know, when it's not so sunny outside. Oh, have like an open air screening or whatever. But. um okay well thanks everyone again thanks for joining us on social think tank tonight if you're listening again if you listen to the podcast make sure that you are sharing this make sure you're telling people about it um thanks to our guests you've been absolutely brilliant i can't wait to see the film take care and we'll see you all very very soon and thanks for all the comments as well uh they've been excellent take care everyone
3: the red flag flying here.